Today is July 16th, 2017. Title of today's message is On Guard. On Guard. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 12. have to be honest with you, uh, you can get really, really spoiled in this church. Thank you for someone agreeing with that. Maybe. Yeah, Chris is our new favorite one right there. You can, you, it's really easy for us to get spoiled in a church like this. Uh, I remember growing up as a teenager, we didn't have uh, worship like this until we got to a camp experience. I don't know what it was. We went off somewhere, had to go somewhere to feel the presence of God. This is our, uh, I don't want to say normal. This is something that we are asking for, that we expect God to do in every one of our services. That He will come and move, that He'll speak to us through words and tongues, through words in English, through words of knowledge, whatever it may be, that God will speak to us and show that He is with us. And he does, He's done that today in an incredible way. As we look through the Scripture, I just want to encourage you today. <laughs> I want to encourage you with a word that I think that the Lord has given me for us today. I will judge the efficacy, the effectiveness of this message based on a few things. And I'll just tell you that from the beginning. I'm going to judge today on how well you actually implement what we're talking about. I appreciate uh, we have such incredible preaching. We have such incredible teaching here at this church. Revelation just rains down. In case I hadn't told you yet, and in case you can't figure it out, man, I love my church. I know I'm partial. I get it. But man, I love this church. Do you love your church? How many of you have been touched dramatically by the Lord since you've been here? I mean, for real. Okay, well, okay, put your hands down. Maybe you misunderstood. How many of you have received a a word of prophecy uh, sometime since you've been here? Okay, you're not understanding. Maybe, uh, let's see, has anyone ever gotten healed? You've been prayed for and immediately felt... Okay. Um, Anybody ever given a word of prophecy in in this place? Oh. Wow. I have to raise my hand for each of those. This, this is pretty special, folks. What God has entrusted, everybody say entrusted. entrusted. What God has entrusted to us, you heard the word come forward from Pastor Eric earlier. The words that God spoke to us today are about how precious what we have is. So what are we going to do with it? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and starting in verse 11 is going to help us answer these questions today. Are you there? And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. Uh, If you stick around this church long enough, you'll be able to say a phrase like that with your exact calling in there. If you can't do that yet, then you haven't been around long enough, and we're going to help you to do that. Paul is able to say, here's what I am. Here's, Here's clarity to the calling. I was appointed a herald. And if that wasn't good enough, I'm here to preach. And he says, in case that wasn't just it, the Lord also called me to be an apostle. Oh, yeah, and a teacher, by the way. Well, praise God. And then look what it says. This is why I am suffering as I am. You mean if you do the will of the Lord, there's a chance you're going to suffer? No, there's not a chance. It is a certainty, my friends. There's no odds that you're going to be able to get out of serving the Lord without suffering for his name. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed. Everybody say, not ashamed. Not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed. Do you know who you're believing in? Do you know? And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Man, what an encouraging scripture. He is able to guard. Um, As you're looking at this phrase in the Greek, Older Testament was written in Hebrew, Newer Testament, penned in Greek, although they were Hebrew-speaking and Hebrew-thinking people. What you have here is that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. In the actual original language, it's a little bit difficult to tell. Uh, You can tell that there's a deposit going on. There's somebody entrusting something to someone. Y'all got that with me? Did I say that right? It sounded good in my head. I wasn't sure how it came out. You're not quite sure who's doing the depositing and who's doing... In this case, we know that it's the Lord that's going to guard what I have entrusted to Him. Can you put up the first slide? This is from the complete Jewish Bible. Same passage, just a different translation for you. 
And this is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. Everybody say, not ashamed. Because I know Him in whom I have put my trust. And I am persuaded that He can keep safe until that day what He has entrusted to me. Wait, I thought He was able to guard and keep that which I entrust to the Lord. Yes, yes He can. Here, this translation, from folks who understand the context, maybe a little bit better than most of us do, offers a different understanding to it. Keep safe until that day what He has entrusted to me. Doesn't that seem like a big difference to you? Am I entrusting it to Him or is He entrusting it to me? Yes. Yes, so here we are again, right? Is it this or this? Yes. And we're going to go through some scriptures to understand today. We have an opportunity, we have an obligation, because God has entrusted some incredible things to this church. If you are here and you stay with us, and you commit to what the Lord is doing here, you know what the Lord does in our midst? He raises up people who can go out and be part of the five-fold ministry. Jesus Christ is the one that sets you in as a five-fold minister, and we are the ones that have been blessed to be able to help you to start operating in that calling. You know what else He does? If you're not part of the five-fold ministry, you stick around here, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be blessed and have your life in the right shalom between you and God. Your life will be in order, and you will be able to be a pillar in this household. That may not excite you as much as the first one. As a pastor here in this church, that excites me a lot. They both excite me beyond my words. We want to send people out. That is our calling. That is our gifting as a church. If Paul could say, yeah, I was a herald, I'm an apostle, I'm a teacher, here's what we're doing. We're trying to equip you to get you to do the works of service that God has created you for. If that's five-fold ministry, you've got a place here that we can help you do that. If it's not five-fold ministry... We love you and need you here just as much. Yes. What we're doing, uh, Joy, can you go ahead and put Ephesians 4:11 on the screen today? Yeah, I'm going to try to stay with notes only as much as the Lord allowed me. You guys know that as, as a teacher that I am, I usually try to stay there. I'm just not promising anything today. So, <laughs> so there. Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it was he. Everybody say he. Who's the he here? Wow, that was pretty weak. It's okay. Not for me. It was Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Come on, it's church, man. If you just start out, you just yell out Jesus, you might be right half the time anyway, right? It was Jesus. Yeah, seven or Jesus. There you go. It was Jesus who gave some. It was Jesus who gave some to be apostles. Some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Next verse. To prepare God's people for works of service. Our job as pastors is to prepare you for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Can you go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10? For we are God's workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I love my church. You were created to do something. There's something that He has entrusted to you, and it's special. It's important that you accomplish what God has entrusted to you. He's prepared in advance for us to do. Don't you like that, that God has prepared it in advance? He didn't look at you and be like, Oh, I forgot about Joellen. Let me kind of come up with something. (laughs) This hasn't happened in our home. I mean, we never had a closet off to the side in our home that had extra gifts, small gifts, note cards, thank you cards, just in case we forgot something. Some people may call it a re-gift kind of closet. (laughs) That way, if we forgot anyone, we (laughs) hey, amen, look what we got for you. Scratch off the name, here you go. We've never done that. At least not lately. (laughs) And now we can't do it because you'll know. But the Lord didn't do that. He didn't get there and go, yeah. There was this gap in his thinking. He forgot about you somehow. He he missed you in the process. He got them, whoever the them is. You know who I'm talking about? Whoever in your brain you say that God would take care of better than you, the them. 
he, he didn't forget them, but you know, he, I'm sure he kind of forgot. No, he, he didn't forget you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's actually have works prepared in advance. Before you got there, he designed you for some things. And this is what we're looking at. If we could go back to the slide from 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I am persuaded that he can keep safe until that day what he has entrusted to me. Let's look at the next, uh, the next slide. And our friends in the Amplified Version, since they couldn't really decide which one was correct, they just put both. And this is why I'm suffering as I, still, as I do. Still I am not ashamed, for I know, I perceive, I have knowledge of, am acquainted with, him whom I be- have believed, adhered to, trust in, relied upon, and I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which, that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him. Yeah, the Amplified just like, yeah, we don't know. We're just going to put them all in there. Let you figure it out. So either direction that this is going to work, this has got to get taken care of. But you know what? We, have to, we actually have to entrust and be entrusted. We started off the words that came during our, our time of worship was saying that the Lord has entrusted. Come on, think for a minute. What has the Lord entrusted you with? I don't have enough time to create an adequate list for that. If you're married, what has the Lord entrusted you with? Oh, come on. Okay. That was a good time. If you're a husband, you should have leaned over, kissed your wife right on the mouth. Everybody's like, that got awkward. No? No, it wasn't. If you're a parent, what has the Lord entrusted you with? If you're here at this church, what has the Lord entrusted you with? Because He's able to keep it. He's able to help you to do exactly what you're supposed to do with it. Whether we give it to Him or whether He gives it to us, aren't we really saying the same thing? Like we're going to give Him something that initiated with us to begin with. (laughs) He's got to give it to us. He's going to act in us to will and do according to His good pleasure. He's got to give us something and then that we can give it back. As we were doing this and talking about this, I want to, well, let's go back to 2 Timothy. We're going to keep reading two more verses. It says this, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern. Everybody say pattern. pattern. Pastor, this church can be, you know, kind of serious about some things. Yeah, we feel like we've been entrusted with something that works regardless of the na- nation that you're in. It re- works regardless of the language that you speak. Um, I want to do this just as a, I, I love this. I was writing something for Eve the other day, uh, and it made me think about this. If you are here in this service today, and you are from another country, have a passport that belongs to another country besides the United States, and or live outside of the United States, would you raise your hand now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is in the back with Ezra through the glass door going, that's me too. I got you. I counted you. If I counted correctly, not including some of our honored guests today, we're a church of about 150 people. If everybody comes at one time, we have some folks who are kind of dating us. I'm not really counting those. I'm counting, I'm counting our regular attendees. Out of that 150, I think we have over 14 nations represented. What? Are you telling me we have a tithe of our congregation that comes from outside the United States? <laughs> Shut up. Man, I love my church. Do you know why that happens? Because we put the culture of the kingdom above our own cultures. I'm not a white Christian. There are no black Christians in here. There are no Hispanic Christians, Colombian, Ecuadorian, Tanzanian, Ivory Coastian. That was just for you, Larissa. I just just had to get it in there. Egyptian, Swiss. We don't start there first, my friends. We start as believers in Christ who has entrusted us with something, and we move forward from there. We're not male or female. We have differences like that, but that is not how we identify ourselves. 
There's neither free nor slave, Scythian nor barbarian. We are just followers of Christ. And you know why I can say that? It's because you know it's true or you wouldn't be here. You don't get a tithe of a group like this to be from outside the United States unless you know that there's something more kingdom-minded than there is nationalistic involved. It's almost like he's entrusted with us with something very precious here. He has. Look at verse 13 again in 2 Timothy 1. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. My friends, this is a place where you can learn the right pattern. You know we don't put on airs. You know, you know us. You know our strengths. You know our weaknesses because we don't hide from you. Because we live in a way that you're going to see all of our flaws and you're going to see that we're following the right pattern that we follow the right pattern with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. There's no ambiguity in this one. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we need the Holy Spirit's help, don't we? There's not anyone who's a regular attender here that I expect that would disagree with these verses. Amen, we need to guard. What does it mean to guard the deposit, though? And how well are you guarding the deposit of what God has given you? Uh, Justin Linton, we, we, we were picking on him earlier. His mom's here. Uh, so I'm going to pick on him some more. Because that's just how we do. We were sitting down the other day and in the uh, pastor's office. And we were sitting there and we were trying to figure out Justin Linton has been here one year. Yay. Now an eligible one-year man of God. What we figured out was, hey, Justin, how many sermons have you listened to? Justin may be one of the, Justin and Chris and Abimbola. Some of these guys are learning the word faster than anybody I've ever been around, including me. Like, I'm, I'm not even close. I'm like, man, Linton, goodness gracious. So how many sermons did you listen to in one year here? And so you get a couple every week, and then you get classes, and then... He's been listening to sermons every day at work. I was like, well, how many do you think? You listen to one a day? And he's like, oh, no, Pastor. Two? You, get, you squeeze in two a day? Now he's trying to be humble about it, right? Now he, I'm like, look, am I going to have to just keep counting or are you going to tell me? Somewhere between, I don't know, three and five sermons a day. Yeah, don't, don't tell your boss. <laughs> we'll edit that part out, right? <laughs> Mom's like, that's good, I think. <laughs> don't want to high five you or slap you. Uh, sometimes both is necessary. Discipline. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think we figured out that in about a year, about a thousand sermons, and y'all know our sermons, at least an hour apiece, not including classes, they go a couple, like three or four hours for our classes, right? A thousand sermons. Hey, what would, you, what would happen if you and I listened to a thousand sermons in the next year? You, you, think you, would, you think you would be on better footing than you are right now? Yes or no? That's really neat to excited about a young guy in the faith, right? You almost say that maybe he's guarding the good deposit that's being given him. He's, he's, he's working on it. Yeah, what about us? You know what I don't get credit for? Is how many sermons that Justin Linton has listened to. For me to guard the good deposit that has been given to me with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit's help, you know what I have to do? I have to be just as dedicated. And the truth is, is it, it puts a pressure on me as a pastor. I'm like, man, I don't want to let some young guy outdo me. I may even be preparing a sermon. I gotta, wait, wait, wait a minute. I gotta get on the ball here. It makes us want to do exactly what we're supposed to do. There's a word that we looked at that I found as we were talking about guarding the good deposit. And I looked in, at it into the Older Testament. There's a slide that'll show you this word just so we can see what it is to guard. The word is shamar. Everybody say shamar. It's a verb meaning to watch. Everybody say to watch, to, watch. to keep, keep, to preserve, to, 
to guard, to, guard. To, be to be careful. How careful are you in your walk with the Lord? Are you careful about it? Do you treat it like, pre- like a precious treasure? I was a musician when I was younger, and my, I, had a, uh, I was a clarinet player and a saxophone player. And so I had a clarinet at the house, and it was the cheapy one that they gave us in the school until my parents went and got in debt and actually bought me a wooden clarinet, I mean, a nice clarinet. And, and what I would do is, because it was wooden, I literally walked everywhere, you know, band nerd, right? Y'all know. I literally would walk everywhere. I would never leave the instrument outside in my car. I would never leave it in the sun. I would have it with me, and if I was going somewhere, I had a clarinet case with me that I would sit beside me wherever I was. And then I started playing guitar. You know what I never did? I never left a guitar in my car. The thought of a guitar getting hot and warping or breaking was, was just beyond me. So I'd walk into a restaurant with an awkwardly giant case and have to figure out somewhere to put it and be awkward and be uncomfortable. But you know what? It was something that was precious to me. Uh, let me borrow this for a second. How many of you have something like this? <laughs> At our church, we've started to treat our Bibles as a very precious thing. We have, you know, industrial strength, waterproof, pressure proof, bulletproof, devil proof. It, it, this, these kind of cases for our Bibles assure that at every checkpoint going through security that somebody's going to stop you and be like, what you got in the case? You want to see? It's kind of dangerous. It's illegal in some countries in the world. You want to see what I got? Are you sure? Right? They're all standing. Pull out a Bible. Yeah. This is the right attitude for us to have, but you know what? You can have a case like this and not be guarding the good deposit that the Lord gave you. If you're not actually opening it up, getting in the Word, letting the Spirit wash over you, it is great. And, and I, I, have, I have a case as well. I have something to protect my Bible because it's important to me. It's the most precious thing I have. It's not the most expensive thing I have. It is the most precious thing that I own. I'd rather, you, I'd rather toss the keys to you and take whatever car that I'm driving than you take my Bible. That's true. Yeah. Yesterday, I was getting in and out in the rain and so I had my, my Bible case on the front of my car, and I decided to move it in the trunk. And then I went in somewhere, and I came back out, and I forgot that I moved it to the trunk. And I was like, somebody stole my Bible! <laughs> oh, wait, no, I'm okay. <laughs> those, those few seconds there, I had a panic attack. I was like, I was about to go fight. I was about to go somebody to find somebody to fight. Can you put up the slide again for me? To watch, to keep, to preserve, to guard, to be careful, to watch over, to watch carefully over, to be on one's guard. We've got to be on guard. We've got to guard the good deposit that the Lord has given us. Everybody say, I want to guard. guard. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2 and let's look at verse 15. This is the first time that this word, shamar, is used in Scripture. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 15. Are y'all with me today? Genesis chapter 2. Sorry if I said Exodus there. Genesis chapter 2. It says this. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Everybody say garden. First vocation, a gardener. Amen. To work it. Everybody say work it. Work it. Yeah. I love the Bible. Put Adam in the garden to work it and take care of it. The word take care of it there is shamar. To guard it. To watch over it. To to find it precious. to, To take it as an important thing. To guard what God had given him. The word there is shamar. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Just one more chapter over. And let's look at verse 24. Genesis 3 and verse 24. It says this. After he drove the man out. uh, Let's go back to verse 23. I'm sorry, it'll it'll make more sense. So the Lord God banished 
Adam from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side, everybody say east side, of the Garden of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to Shemar, the way to the tree of life. Pastor Eric has some fantastic sermons over the years. Uh, the most recent one that talked about this verse specifically, I think, was the misunderstood father, Father's Day of 2015. I encourage you to get on our app, to get on our website and check out that. I believe it's misunderstood father, Father's Day of 2015. Find it. And Pastor Eric preaches an incredible sermon on this idea. But here's, here's where I grew up, thinking, imagining. They sinned, so what God do? God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. You know what he did? He then put cherubim, multiple angels, standing there like security guards with swords flashing back and forth, like, don't you come this way. You know what the word here is? Swords flashing back and forth to what? To shamar the way. Okay, work with me here. They're going to guard the way to the tree of life. The angels aren't standing there trying to... God's plan, and if you heard Him today with the word of prophecy, is not, God is not here trying to, trying to destroy you, trying to push you back. What He's trying to do is He's actually guarding the way for you to get back to the tree of life. He's trying to get you where you're supposed to be and He's actually sending angelic forces and His very presence in Holy Spirit to help you get where you're supposed to get. Amen. He is guarding it. He's watching over it. He's, he's moved. It's important to Him. So He put two giant angels there, multiple angels there, to stand and go, not trying to keep you back like you don't belong here. He's trying to say, hey, as soon as you can turn back towards Me, I've got the way protected for you. In Genesis 2, we start out with a tree of life in the garden. In Revelation 22, you know where we end up? Yeah. At a tree of life, back in the garden. Yeah. God is guarding the way for us. He is protecting the way for us. How can we not trust Him with our lives, knowing that He's not trying to stiff arm us? It says that God resists the proud but He gives grace to the... Okay, we're going to do that again. You weren't ready for that. It's okay. That was about 30% participation. God resists the... Proud. But gives grace to the... Humble. For those who will turn and look and say, Lord, You've entrusted me with something that is great and I want to defend this. I want to, I want to guard what the field that You have given me. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10. I will get there as well. Starting in verse 12. You there? We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Okay. Everybody follow that verse? Um, you know why I love the word? Because it's supposed to act as a mirror to our own actions. These people, comparing ourselves with ourselves, judging ourselves by ourselves. <laughs> you know what the problem is? you got a whole lot of self going on there. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Why? Who says? Did the Lord say that? Are you working to, to be faithful to guard the good deposit with the help of the Holy Spirit? No, I just feel like I'm doing pretty good today. Oh, so you're judging yourself by yourself. I feel pretty good today. Compared to what? <laughs> Yesterday was really terrible. Really, so, so let's not be the standard in our own lives. Let's act as if He's entrusted us with something precious and from the heavens that we are to guard Verse 13, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but we will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us. Everybody say field. Yeah. field. A field that reaches even to you. I want to encourage you today about the field that God has assigned you. If He's assigned you a field, do you know what you need to do? You need to work the field. And what else do you need to do? Hmm. Just like Adam. 
If God has given you a field, which He has, He's given you some realm, He's given you an assignment, it is your field to work. You know what you don't have to worry about? Someone else's field in the context of this discussion. You know what else you do not have to do? Is compare yourself with anyone else. Galatians 6.4 clearly tells us that we are not supposed to compare ourselves to someone else. All we have to do is find out, Lord, I need you to show me the field so I can stand and fight for it. So that I can work it and labor in it and guard it. Um, 2 Samuel verse 23, is it Shammah? Let's let's start with, let's try verse 11. If I'm wrong, y'all will forgive me. 2 Samuel 23 verse 11. Everybody say Shama. Yeah, like it. Next to him was Shama, son of Agi the Herorite. We're trying to start a Herorite clan here too, I guess. We called it a Beardorite clan. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel troops fled from them. But Shama took his stand in the middle of the field. Maybe it was a field that he was assigned to. He took his stand in the middle of the field. Why in the middle? Because <laughs> you can't get away. I'm not going to stand at the edge of my field and fight for it. Why? Because it's too easy for me to go ahead and slip out. He just went right in the middle and said, This is my stand. God has given me this field to work and to guard. So I'm going to work this field and I'm going to guard it. But Shaman took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck, down the, Philistine, struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. (laughs) He knew that His provision was important for more than just Him. He knew that His place in this field was something that was urgent. Let me encourage you today. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you with me? Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God has given you a field... He has assigned you a place. He has put you in a garden that you are supposed to work and you are supposed to guard. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look at verse 12. It says this, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit. Everybody say one Spirit. spirit. Into one body. Everybody say one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, oh, there we are back to it. Our kingdom is the culture that we're going after. Not our nationalities. Not our ethnicities. And praise God for the different ethnicities. We're celebrating it. But that's not how we define ourselves. Slave or free. For we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand. You guys know the rest of this story, yes? This one says... I don't have the same field that Elder Baj has, so there's something wrong. You know what? His field is so expansive. His field, every, all the rows are in order. It's producing fruit. My field doesn't look like that yet. I'm not the hand. I guess I just don't belong in the field, in the gardening business. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. There's one that disqualifies yourself. Who in here is a person who tends to disqualify themselves? Let's just cut to it. (laughs) Because the other one is this, in verse 21, we see that we look at somebody else and go, yeah, you're not qualified to do this. We're just going to tell you that you don't belong here. Most of us raised our hand on the first one. We look at someone else because we're comparing ourselves either with ourselves or with them. Neither one is the right, a plan, right plan or the right approach. It negates the fact that God has entrusted us with something specific. It negates the fact that God has given us a field that we are supposed to work and we are supposed to guard. It negates all that because we're too busy looking around at everybody else. What we need in this church is we need people who understand where their field is and work it. Everybody say, work it. And they guard it. Everybody say, guard it. Because it's been entrusted to you. If I try to lead worship like Peyton, I can't. 
If I try to preach like Justin Treister, I can't. I love Treister's preaching. I think Treister is a beast of a preacher. In case you hadn't figured out, he's the one preaching on Wednesday. Don't miss it. I think Justin is maybe one of the finest preachers I, I know. And he's only going to get better. <laughs> he's just a young man right now. He's going to get even better at this thing. You know why? Because he understands his field that he's been assigned to. I don't need to preach like Treister. I don't need to have a great beard like Pastor Eric. I don't need to have... Although the, there is a little bit of beard envy. I'm just, you know. All right, come on. But I'm not going to compare, right? We need people who are in their field and they're working it and defending it. We need people who understand if they're called to Turkey and called to be a five-fold minister, or we need to understand the people who are supposed to be staying here to help us raise up more people who can go to more places in the world. God has entrusted some things to us. I know for a fact that some of us in here are actually struggling with this idea of the field that you've been assigned. I know right now that, you, that you're struggling with those kind of things. And the truth is, it's because you're looking at everyone else trying to get your satisfaction, trying to get your approval from them instead of going, Lord, what did you assign to me? What have you given me to do, Lord? You've given me the family, the area that I'm in, the vocation that I'm a part of. Lord, you've given this to me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to treat it like you entrusted me with something special. Quit judging it against other people. What it does is it causes what you have been given to be devalued in every way. These are the practical things that allow us, if you don't handle what I'm saying right now, you will shake your head and you will love the scripture and you will say amen and then you will walk out and live differently than what you just nodded to. You will begin to despise the fact that it takes so long for God to work for you and it seems so easy for someone else. It's not easy for anybody. That's stupid. It is. It's just stupid. I felt called to the ministry at 16 years old. Had people come and prophesy to me, you're going to be a pastor. Do you know when I became an actual full-time vocational pastor? 20 years later. Can I tell you how many times I was like, how come that 20-year-old has now got a job being a youth pastor somewhere? I can go do that. How come that, 20, that 22-year-old don't know anything? How come... How come they get to do that, Lord? How, how come they get to do that? That's not fair. You know what you're saying when you think that in your heart? God, you're wrong. Let's just be real about it. Make the list of things that you go through in your life and be like, you know what, this is just not fair. It's not fair that my family is as messed up as it is and I'm starting from a disadvantage. You're claiming that God is wrong. Oh, no, Pastor. Yeah, you are. Just, let's just be real. You cannot do these things. You have to go, Lord, what you've given me is precious. What we have to do is get our thoughts, get our hearts right to go, you have entrusted me with something, and I'm going to treat it like it's Fort Knox. I'm going to treat it like it's the most valuable thing that has ever been given to a human being. It is. Because it is. I can look at other people and I can see the beauty of their calling. And if I look at myself in the, in the mirror and I can't see it, then there's a problem with me. I don't understand that God has entrusted something to me and I'm supposed to be guarding the good deposit by the strength of the Holy Spirit. I've gotten all mixed up in my head. And I call it reality. You're living in a virtual false reality when you do that. Walk in your calling. Fight for your field. Guard it with your life. If we would just be happy with what the Lord gives us, there are no overnight successes, not ever, not know how, not no way. Pardon the common vernacular there. 
There is no way that anybody is ever an overnight success. You know what they did? They finally quit making excuses. They finally started appreciating what the Lord gave them, and they just started walking in the direction that God wanted them to, and amazing things began to happen. Quit measuring yourself by what happens in a day. And I want you to do something each and every day. We're not against the day, but we try to make our whole thing. What was this about? Now, where are you going? Are you guarding the field? Amen? Amen. In the Torah, the priests were assigned their field. They were assigned their duties from the Lord. And the prophets in Joshua, the people of God were assigned their inheritance from the heavens. Turn with me to Psalm 16. Psalm 16 is, I don't know that it was ever on my radar before a few months ago, and I feel like I go to it every day now, just all the time. I had read it, but it had never uh, impacted my heart the way it has lately. Psalm 16, let's start in verse 5. Are you there? It says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. Who assigned it? Think about your life right now. The Lord has assigned you your portion and your cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. If you have this perspective, you know what happens? You're starting to guard the good deposit with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what this is not saying? Lord, you've somehow been unjust to me. The suffering that I've had to go through, Lord, is unjust. No, it's not unjust. He is going to be able to work anything out in your life that you allow Him to. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. How are you going to start doing that? Yeah, you're just going to decide to put your flesh down and rise up in the Spirit and go, Lord, thank you. Lord, I, I love my life. I love my life. Everybody say, I love my life. For some of you, that's the first time you've ever said that. You're always looking for something else. Come on, preach, Ezra. Get it. You're looking for someone else. You're looking for the next phase. You're looking for the next promotion. You're looking for the next stage in your life and you're missing out on defending and guarding what God has given you. At Life Changing Ministries, I've talked to Pastor Eric about, about the early days of the church. Our logo is one life, one family, one nation. You know Pastor Eric and his family had to learn. And then the P. Rose as they joined. And then the Sutherlands as we joined. You know what? We know we had to learn that whatever one life was in front of us was what God was entrusting to us. And we had to treat it like it was worth all the gold in the world. One life right in front of us. One life matters. Does it matter? It does if you're the one life, doesn't it? We entrusted this to the Lord. And you know what we had to do? <laughs> Lord, we're giving you this. We're giving you... You have given us this one life. The Lord gave us, entrusted us with one life. And we're going to entrust that you will take care of our survival as we take care of this one life. Everybody say that God will guard, God will guard what, I what I entrust. Say it again with me. God will guard, God will guard what I entrust. Say this with me. I will guard, I will guard what, he what He entrusts to me. Huh. I will guard whatever He entrusts to me. You've got to count it as something precious. 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. And let's start in verse 1. <laughs> this is a great chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him. Everybody say delivered. delivered. Him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Boy, isn't it nice if you can get to a place of victory, you start singing a song, don't you? 
This is exactly what David did. Let's look down. This is so beautiful. If I start reading it, then I won't stop. Verse 21. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, He has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have kept, I have guarded, I have shamarred the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from God. All His laws are before me. I have not turned away from His decrees. If you're not guarding properly, it is likely that you will turn away from what He has given you. Is this true? Anybody ever had something that was important to your life and after two months... Anybody ever had the word of the Lord that someone, it just rocked your world, it brought tears to your eyes, it sent you to your knees, and then two months later you're like, what did he say again? Did the, did the Lord really call me to that? Did the Lord call me to be a pastor when I was 16? I don't know, because it didn't look like it at 26. It didn't look like it at 30. It didn't look like it at 35. Maybe I didn't hear the Lord right. Maybe what I took... And for me, because I'm the one that says, well, I'm not as good as Bosh, so I'll just disqualify myself. You know what the thoughts became? God, what an honor it would be to be a pastor. I guess I'm just not good enough. I guess I'm not a hand, so I'll just bow out of this pursuit. Come on, guys. We have got to guard what God has put within us. Amen. You can't let time. You can't let adversity. You can't let suffering. You can't let problems. You can't let discouragement keep you from guarding what God has given you. It's almost like it requires faith for us to do this. Take a look at verse 31. As for God, His way is... Okay. It's okay. We missed it. We're going to try it again. See, pastors drove all night to get here from Mexico. I'm just... I'm just don't want a spirit of slumber here. As for God, His way is... Yeah, if you don't remember anything about, else about today's sermon, and I hope you do, I hope it impacts your life, you just need to remember this one line. As for God, His way is perfect. It'll fix a whole lot of the, theological problems in your life. You'll quit whining about how everybody else did something bad to you, and you'll go, God, I don't know how their poor treatment of me is somehow going to work out for good, but I know that your way is perfect. Amen. Their way is not. That was unjust in every way. Lord, I hate it. You know what? I'm going to trust you, though. I'm not going to back out of this thing. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to leave the field that you put me in, no matter how hard it gets. If you call me to this, I won't let time or anything else pull me away from what you have specifically spoken to me. Friends, I am trying to tell you what I feel like the Lord is causing to bubble up within me right now. There's somebody here, who, there are more than one person who's here, and, and you've allowed a lot of things to pull you off from what God has said to you. And the bottom line is, is you forgot that His way is perfect. I don't think it comes from an evil heart. I don't think it comes from a lot of things. You know what I think it comes from? You just forgot to guard what God had been giving you. You didn't stand in the middle of the field and fight for it. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know the details. You don't know the injustice that happened. Yeah, you're right. But you know what I do know? As for God, His way is The word of the Lord is flawless. My interpretation of the word, man, I'm working on it. But you know what the word is in and of itself? It's flawless. He is a shield. Everybody say shield. For all who take refuge in Him. What, what, wait, how many? Really? All. All. He's not going to disqualify you if you're pushing towards Him. If you have just enough faith to stand and guard what He has entrusted, you know what He's going to do? He's going to be a refuge for you. He's going to be a shield for you. For who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength. Maybe we should quit trying to worry about our own strength. Maybe like Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish that what what you began by the Spirit you're now trying to accomplish in the flesh? Maybe that's part of the problem. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Yes, He's perfect. I know His way is perfect. You know what He wants to do? Make my way perfect as well. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. Some of you need to be reminded that God is the one who exalts. 
He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. I love that. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. Guys, we can continue and go on and on. What I'm trying to get at is we've got to guard what God has given. I will guard what He entrusts to me. Everybody say that. I will guard guard what He entrusts to me. me. You're going to watch over it. You're going to value it. You're going to pull it close. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Abby, that was fast. LCM, where the 12-year-olds are pretty stinking special. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Verse 2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Yeah, I've never met anybody like that. Yeah, I've never acted like that either. Verse 4, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Wow. For each one should carry his own load. The idea here in these verses, one is that we have a burden. You know know what we do with our burdens? We need help. We need our brothers and they need us. But you know what we, we also do with our burdens, those things that are too heavy for us to carry? We take them to the Lord. We entrust to Him. Lord, I can't I can't do this. I can't do all of this, Lord. The calling. Do you realize if we sent, if we all, this entire church packed up and moved to Turkey next month? Do you know that I think the calling for Turkey is too big for all of us to accomplish in this, in this one season? Yeah. All of us. Yeah. We're going to send three families over the course of time to live in Turkey to set up a work there. You know what we're going to have to do? They're going to have to battle for that field and scratch out from the earth itself to get those who would be righteous before the Lord. Amen. To find con- converts from the nation, from Islam itself. Go into a Muslim land and win converts from the strong, from the mighty. They're going to pull them right from their hands. Amen. And you know what they're also going to have to do? Lord, we're going to guard what you've entrusted. Yeah, but we're going to have to Trust that you can guard what we give back to you as well. Amen. This has to be more than just us. This has to be generations of people who go and do this. It has to be in both directions. It's almost like we have burdens that we should help each other carry, but we each have our own load that we are designed to shoulder. Amen. What is your load that you're supposed to be shouldering? Let me say it another way. It's the field that you're supposed to be working and guarding. That is your space. We want to help you. During the parenting classes, how many of you guys attended at least a couple of the parenting classes? Okay, most of our church. Amen. By the way, I love the fact that a church like ours, single people were in the parenting classes. Married couples who don't have kids yet were in the parenting classes. People whose kids are grown and out of the house in the the parenting class. I love this church. This is incredible. You know what we were trying to remind ourselves of? That God has given us a particular field in our kids that we are supposed to work and guard. It's important that we stand here and we go, Lord, I know that you will guard what I've entrusted to you and I'm going to guard what you've entrusted to me. We're going to do this. We're going to absolutely fulfill. We're going to carry the load that God has given us to carry. Would you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17? Jeremiah chapter 17 says this. We're going to start in verse 5. Jeremiah 17, 5, and it says this. This is what the Lord says. 
Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed, everybody say blessed, blessed. is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. I want to encourage you today so that you can have confidence to fight for the field that God has given you. To be faithful because you've been entrusted with much. He will be like a tree planted by the water. Who are we talking about again? The ones who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its, send, sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le- its leaves are always green. It has no worries. Everybody say, no worries. No worries. In a year of drought, and never fails to bear fruit. Who is this a promise to again? Those who trust in the Lord. This is a promise for you. This is something that you can know, that you can count on, that the Lord will do without fail as you trust in Him. As you guard the good deposit that God has given you by the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Oh, pastor. But my heart was... Yeah. That pretty much helps us to explain what we're going to say after that. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We've got to be on guard for what God has entrusted us with. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 4, 1. It says this, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. God has entrusted us with things here at this church. God has entrusted things to you and to your family. If He's entrusted us with secret things, (laughs) secret to who? Secret to those who aren't in the kingdom. He's entrusted us with secret things. What does He do for us? Pastor mentioned it in one of the prophecies, Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's to the glory of kings to search it out. He wants us to come and He's entrusting us with an ability to enter into the heavens and find out what the God of all creation wants to have said. We can get in His Word. We can get a fresh revelation from His Spirit and God will talk to us. Don't treat that lightly. He's entrusting you with something every time He speaks to you. You need to write it down. When a prophecy comes up, you need to be listening. You need to stop what you're thinking. You need to stop what you're feeling. And you need to go, what are you saying, Lord? Yes, Lord, I will do that. Yes, I will change how I feel. I will change what I think because Your Word and Your Spirit, You're entrusting me with something here and I've got to guard it. I've got to do a better job of valuing what you value, God. I've got to do a better job of executing exactly what you say, whether I think it's fantastic or not. If you're worried about how fantastic you are, it sounds silly when I say it that way, doesn't it? Really? You're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of dumb. If I, I can't even say that out loud. Yeah, but we'll do it all day long. You're not going to come unless you think you found a, a super deep revelation. How about you share the scripture that God impacted you with? Amen. Go after the revelation. Absolutely. <laughs> Who are you trying to impress? You are my friends. You are my family. I am not trying to impress you today. I can assure you. If I had to get up here and impress you, I'm the wrong person to do that. Just the wrong guy. God, you got to pick somebody else. But you know what I am here to do? To equip you. Amen. To empower you so that you can do what we're talking about. So we quit having the excuses. We quit shaking our heads in a service. And then we walk out and do exactly what we were doing before, which is discounting the actual value of what God is inputting into us. I'm not getting recognized for my gifts. Well, then, then you just trust God. If your gifts are that fantastic, I promise you that God will allow you to be seen. 
Maybe it's your character that he's working on. Maybe you need to shut up about your gifts. Shut up about how smart you are. Yes, you're all smart. Great, you're all smarter than us. Fantastic. Maybe your character is what God is trying to catch you up on and you're missing the point. Well, pastor, I want to lead a... Yeah, don't talk to me about leading. Praise God. We all want to lead something, right? We all want to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm just not going to worry about that. I'm going to go, God, whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to be faithful because I know what my God responds to. He responds to those who are faithful. <laughs> like, Sh- like Shama, if everybody else leaves, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay in the field that I've been assigned to and I'm going to work it and I'm going to guard it. And I'll let him count me as righteous. I'll let him count me as worthy. I will demote myself so that he will promote me to whatever level he feels appropriate. And I can assure you that his, his promotion is always better than what I thought anyway. It's always different than what I thought because in my thinking, I was the king of the universe. I was Mr. Fantastic. Let me stand on the stage and get the applause. Yeah, I can't tell you how much I don't want that. Which is probably now why the Lord lets me do it. Because I don't want it at all. I don't, I don't even remotely want it. We've got to be doing exactly. We've been entrusted with the secret things of, the God, of God and it is now required that we be proven faithful. Let's turn to just a few more verses. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Just a few more and then, and then we will end together. Romans chapter 6 and let's start in verse 15. It says this, What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or whether you're slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. How about we learn how to be a slave to righteousness? Pastor, you shouldn't talk about slaves. You're in a, you're in a multi-ethnic group. You can't talk about slaves. No, yeah, I can. We need to be slaves to righteousness. We need to decide that it doesn't matter what we think or what we want to do. We only do what we're told. This is the economy of the kingdom. You want to be great in the kingdom? You serve the least. You want to find your own life? You lose your life. You want to be great? You you find the most menial thing that you can find and say, Lord, I hope that no one sees me, but I want you to see me and I want you to see my heart. May we not seek after the approval of man. May we not trust in the strength of man. Look at me. Stop trying to find the approval of man. If only we could be liberated from this one thought. We can be liberated because we know that we've been entrusted with something that is otherworldly. That is something that is from the divine that He has given to us. That God Himself through Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit has given us something that is worth us dying for. Not only our actual life, not only our physical life, but everything about our lives. Romans 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God. Everybody say thanks to God. God. Though you used to be slaves to sin you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You see before you a slave who's also become a son. In closing, let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Let's look at verse 6. Tomorrow Foundations is canceled, but the next couple of weeks after that, you guys are not going to want to miss it. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 10. It's going to blow your brain. It's going to be such a blessing to you. It's going to be... Yeah, I said that, sorry. 
it's going to be something that the Lord Himself is going to entrust to you because it's going to be manna from heaven. You don't want to miss these things that we're doing. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. If you're not familiar with Hebrew, uh, it's okay. I'm just going to share this for those of us in the room who are slightly familiar. The words here are in the actual Hebrew are only be strong and very courageous. It's rock, kazak, meod, amats. Only be strong and very courageous. Rock, kazak, meod, amats. Shamar, to obey. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful or guard or watch after or, or look over. Watch out for, carefully care for, obeying all the law that Moses gave, the Torah. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. I want to encourage you guys today. We sang a song earlier written by our own church members. Rock Kazakh. Be strong and courageous. I want to encourage you today. The Lord has called us to be on guard. He's called us. Um, Joy, would you put up uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 12 through 14 for us? That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that He is able to guard both what I entrust to Him and what He has entrusted to me. What you have heard... I'm just going to turn there because I think we skipped part of the verse there. And I want to get it right because it's too important. I don't want to misspeak it because His words are so precious. In 2 Timothy... Chapter 1, verse 12. This is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you have heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Would you stand with me?